Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Someone will spend less time studying. You don't care. That's your. That's the hill you're dying on? Pete Thamel. There's a lot more paths to failure than there is to recapturing that glory of the of the night. And SI's Pat Forty. Incredibly good offense. I mean, like, I've, I, I'm not, I can't remember the last time I saw a team this good offensively. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. Our final four is set. Both men's and women's. Uh, you guys are all there. Pat is back in Louisville now. Pete's stuck in Indianapolis until this ends. I'm not stuck. It's beautiful here. <laughs> beautiful. It is beautiful. I was I'm looking a at this canal. Of I'm looking at this canal. Are you kidding me? Yeah. White River, yeah. Yeah. There's Total a warrant for your arrest for killing the Indianapolis News. I saw your face. No, on, I, I saw your face on some television. Uh, uh, Maybe a bar tab or two. <laughs> Cold case. Still. Cold case reopened. <laughs> there used to be a bar. This was back a while ago, but in downtown Indy, they didn't Disneyfy it quite yet as it is now, although they were trying to when I lived there. But there was a bar that on Friday nights or Thursday nights, I think it was called like Sport Live or something like that. It was in this big warehouse. Five bucks you get in and then penny beers. What? What? True <laughs> penny beers. <laughs> oh my That's God. not true. That's not true. hundred percent true. It sounds Penny like a, it sounds beer. like a newspaper bar to me. Nope. You got eleven. You got a bunch of cheap young people. Yeah. Uh, you got eleven ounces of Natty Light for one cent <laughs> in a in a in a plastic cup. Oh and God. there was some deal on Long Island's too. I I don't know. They were I was out of my price range. <laughs> and uh, then you'd look, and really the way to impress, um, you know, particularly if you're a guy, you're trying to impress some of the other customers there. <laughs> um, as a big spender, was you just ordered like a Miller Light <laughs> bottle? <laughs> like there'd be dudes there, like yo, I can afford the two twenty five here, <laughs> big spender. And those of us that could not, that had five dollars and twenty five cents, <laughs> in a dream. <laughs> <laughs> that was putting on airs, so having the having the Miller Light. I like how how, how Wetzel gave us a pep talk before we taped the pod of how we we're, we need to stay at point. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. There's stay no on point stuff, and then he immediately <laughs> takes us back to like a 1993 Indianapolis warehouse Nostalgia. bar with penny beers. Like we we, we, yeah. we weren't even he didn't even say like welcome to the pod in already. Yeah, <laughs> penny beers is true. Penny beer. All right. So, but before we get to that, we got Texas, we got Indiana, we got a lot, we got a lot going on. We got a but lot. But the uh, 
the case NCA versus uh, Alston was uh, in, before the Supreme Court Wednesday morning. The actual United States Supreme Court. And I watched. I had to find C-SPAN on the dial, but I did. <laughs> you can't see anything. It was just audio, but whatever. I don't think we really need to see this stuff. And in a nutshell, this is basically could could you pay college athletes? Is the it is a, far more complicated than that, but this is not for that. If you listen to this, you're probably not smart enough to understand all that anyway. <laughs> um, we're certainly not seeking it out, but it potentially has uh, huge ramifications for college athletics. And two takeaways: one is that uh, the, most of the justices were not buying any of the. NCA's arguments. I mean, at one point, Seth Waxman, their attorney, uh, this was, I think, my favorite line of the whole one. If you allow, uh, this would be in parentheses, athletes to be paid, they will be spending even more time on athletics and even less on academics. <laughs> that was their concern. Okay. I mean, talk about the eye roll. You bubbled 132 men's and women's basketball teams <laughs> far from campus for a month. Yeah. For what purpose? Yeah. Their basic argument was people like that players aren't paid. Therefore, we can't pay the players. Um, even, uh, you know, so like Brett Kavanaugh was like, that is that just seems entirely circular, even something disturbing. It's like, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just like, this is working for us. Cut from the Yale basketball team by one Tom Brennan. Oh, it's one time almost a student athlete. Yes. Still a little bitter. No scholarships at the Ivy League, though. Good point. Maybe he just loves it. At <laughs> the same time, there was great hesitancy to be the justice that basically ends March Madness. I can kind of, <laughs> I don't know that that's legally what a justice is supposed to do. I don't think they're supposed to concern themselves with that. I'm not a, right. a Supreme Court scholar. We've talked about starting a law firm here. Don't you think the Supreme Court has has a pool? Oh, they got a, they got they a March Madness sure. pool going. <laughs> Kavanaugh's a Georgetown, bracket. right? Georgetown guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, when I'll get to Justice Thomas, uh, which really I thought had the most, telling remark uh but um yeah they kept saying like uh sonia sotomayor who i think i'm saying her name right yeah, anyway it's mm -hmm. a tremendous name that's just a, i mean that's just a world-class name how do we know we aren't destroying the game as it is <laughs> uh justice <laughs> Breyer, uh this is a tough case for me. It's a unique product and brings joy to a lot of people i worry about the judges getting into the business of how amateur sports should be run i, I, I all fair I yeah. I am not one of these people who are going to tell you that if this goes down, it's going to be hearts and flowers, man. It is going to be a total mess. <laughs> but that's America, baby. No doubt. I mean, the fact, uh, as we, we discussed briefly before we started this, the fact that it is before the Supreme Court tells you what a mess this has been and become, you know, that the NCAA has so completely failed to manage itself that we have... Them versus Alston in the Supreme Court. And then we also have the NIL, you know, rodeo going on in Congress because the NCAA has been just just completely sat on the sideline and said, we we really can't do anything. Somebody somebody come fix this for us, basically. Yeah. Like it, it when you start to really go back and look at what got to this point. You can you can blame that the system's cumbersome and it's member driven and the members are at fault or whatever. But like they have this 
think, picture a billion dollar business and whoever is running it and however clunky and complicated it is, it's now under threat. Like it's a billion dollar business that's under threat because they couldn't manage and litigate it themselves. Now, they can't hire lawyers. That's what we do now. They're really, really good at hiring and overpaying lawyers. So this is like peak NCA right now. Like I, I, I just, I, the whole thing has just been such a disaster. Now, I'm not saying like you could bring in a new president and everything would be better and everything would be great. But like the thing that has so many people frustrated is they've just stopped trying at a certain point. Like they just be, didn't become results oriented. And because of presidential leadership, and I wrote about this uh, this week on Yahoo, it essentially allowed, like, if you're a college president and you're spending more than two hours a week on, like, you're on this board, right? You're spending more than two hours a week on athletics. You're being negligent to your campus, especially amid a pandemic, amid all the crises that are happening right now in terms of all the huge decisions and the science you have to know and everything. So they basically put a bunch of like, I wouldn't even call them part-time people. Like I would think they're less than part-time. Uh, I asked an AD this week who's uh, president's on the board of governors. I said, hey, how many hours a month do you think your president spends on that? And uh, the AD estimated 20 hours a month. And I, I that was to be high, I thought. But yeah. The, the whole point is you've got all these people that are on this board that are in charge, but they are so distracted. And they have so much else to do. So, like, I always look, look to the root of why. Like, why did we get to this point? Why are Congress and politicians and judges determining the fate of college athletics? And it's because the people in charge of college athletics have either been too ambivalent or the process is too cumbersome to allow them to do anything. So it's it's really kind of like a fascinating case study of of just why we got to this point. And all I know is it's not going to end well and it's not going to end clean. So you might as well have tried to step up at a certain point and control it yourself. And they failed to do that. You never want. I, we said this many times. You do not want the government running your <laughs> business. I don't care if you run a hot dog cart on Fifth Avenue <laughs> or a billion dollar complicated multi, you know, st state con this whole thing. I don't get what you do. You don't want the government making laws that determine how you compensate, whatever you do. Now, obviously, you have to deal with regulation, but you don't want them literally coming in going, you have to pay that guy this to buy this. for the No, you don't want to do that. You also don't want a court doing it. And mm -mm. so you handle problems before, as best you can, it gets to this spot. You work to avoid it. What do they say? The best lawyers are the ones that you're never, you keep you out of ever going to court. <laughs> Right. Well, they're on all sorts of courts now. <laughs> they're in all sorts of venues. Nobody took the lead. They held on to antiquated arguments. And that's the bottom line. That's the problem. I mean, when you have Supreme Court justices just looking at this thing and I'm going to get, I'm sure they are fans, different ones are fans, but they're looking at this and going, wait, what, what are you guys talking about? You know, like you can't do this, but you can pay this guy that much money. Wait, what? You know, and, and so when you have conservatives and liberals on the on the court saying the same thing, when you have states that are red states and blue states passing NIL, every uh, huge majorities, when so many different people are looking at this like I got nothing, there's no argument. And you still have ADs, commissioners coming out and going, this is going to, oh, my God recruiting oh, someone will spend less time studying you don't care that's your that's the hill you're dying on less is time a as a real student really you bubbled them for a month <laughs> i'm not opposed to that 
actually think it's great. And those players want to be bubbled. All of that. But you can't have it. There's just nothing to their argument. So now they're sitting there trying to keep a straight face in front of a literally the Supreme Court. The last people you want to come up there with total BS arguments. And they're all looking at you going, what? Now, maybe they're too scared to sit there and be like, if I go down on this and I, I, I make this road, I go down this road. And I say yes. And in like two years, there's no March Madness and everyone's mad at me because we don't know what happens. I kind of get yeah. it they, again. So that's like your hope at this point. Maybe they're as scared as we are. And I don't like that position for the NCAA. And I don't like that position as a college sports fan. I think there is a compromise. I think there is a path forward. I think they should have given the the athletes name, image, and likeness early so that they don't get into a compensation situation. That's the third rail. Yeah. Letting right. people make money, you know, letting Jalen Suggs make money because his TikTok goes viral in a celebratory thing or Paige Beckers can from UConn can hawk product on her, on her very popular Instagram page or throw up a GoFundMe or a, or a Venmo and just make some money. Then you're not worrying about how am I going to pay the field hockey player? Yeah. And right. so they should have handled this, but they've held the wall so long. And now the, the dam is ready to break. And it is a failure in not just Mark Emmerich and not just this president or that, but almost every single person involved in college athletics that for spent decades just trying to hold on to what they had and not looking as you're barreling off a cliff. How about how many disaster analogies could I bring up in one sentence? I believe we had a dam break and a cliff fall. They all fit. They all work. As, you eat everything but blocking the Suez Canal, which is unblocked, we should point out. But uh, See? Yeah. props to the ice road trucker people. They figured it out. <laughs> But no, I mean, that's that's the thing is, is the, the the stance all along was, no, we're not budging. No, we're not giving the players anything. We don't have to. Nobody can make us. Well, eventually, maybe somebody can make you. And now all of a sudden you're in up to your eyeballs uh, with a bunch of people telling you now, as you said, how to run your business. Uh, and some of these people may have good ideas and some may have terrible ideas. I mean, we're asking the Supreme Court justices who may not really be terribly informed about this, you know? I mean, their job is to get informed on the law and pass laws, or, you know, but but do they really know about the inner workings of college athletics? Probably not. And that's I who hope you've, not. Yeah, right. Yeah. I've got more important things to do. That's who you farmed this thing out to, basically, because because the NCAA and the all of college athletics and all the administrators are like, no, we're keeping all the money we can get, and we don't want the athletes to have anything other than their scholarship. The, the place where I think Mark Emmerich probably lost a majority of college athletics officials somewhere around six or seven years ago, but the place where he lost absolutely everybody and there was no coming back was 17, 18 months ago. It was the lead one athletic director conference in D.C. where he goes into a room of basically all like the most prominent athletic officials around college and declares – that name, image, and likeness is an existential threat to their business model. Like it was still, it was, it, it was like he was getting banged over the head. Like, like talk about not reading a room. I, I mean, it, everyone left there being like, is this guy a moron? 
Like, we know he's not good at his job, but like to go into that room with that tact and to say that was just stupid. There was no other way to do it. Like, and it just showed how completely entrenched and backwards he was. And all you had to do was evolve a little bit, show a little leadership. I mean, he named enough committees. How many, how many name, image, and likeness committees? Remember the San Diego convention, Pat? Like, how many oh, times yeah. were we about to get this transformative news? But we still don't know. We still don't really know what one-time transfer is going to quite look like, right? Like, we think it's going to happen, but we don't know yet. And that's for next year. We still don't really know what name, image, and likeness is going to look like. And that's going to pass soon. So the whole thing has just been a completely mismanaged mess. And, you know, he's basically survived. There's like an old book, Lay Low and Don't Make the Big Mistake. Like, he's just laid low. And he's made plenty of giant mistakes, but he just hasn't had the just even if he did make like screw up and I don't, I don't know how much what happened in San Antonio was his fault necessarily. Right. Like he's responsible for it, but it, he wasn't like the guy in charge of weight rooms. And like, it was clearly an oversight. Yeah. It shouldn't have happened. There's, there's no, there's zero doubt about it. And it showed flaws in the system. But like at this point, he's, I, I talked to uh, a college president yesterday. I, I don't even know if like, if you, if you haven't been able to fire him at this point, the people on that board of governors aren't ever going to fire him because college presidents don't care enough. They just, oh, right. check's coming. Good. Oh, everybody's happy. Did we beat old state U rival? Yeah, great. Good. Like nobody on that board of governors really cares collectively enough about college athletics to do anything. And that's why we're in this cycle. That's why we're in the Supreme Court. And that's why I'm not confident there's going to be any change anytime soon. Well, and they, they but he can emerge and these guys, they can just kind of retire. Yeah, yeah. sure. Would you and retire the smoldering seven million a year? Yeah. And then, no, but he can <laughs> and leave. Um, he's not going to retire, but when this eventually is implemented or has to be and the hard work has to begin, someone else's job. Yeah. I'm out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now he's out and he said, uh, these guys will figure it out. Yeah. They, so you can it's take just, the victory a, lap and leave the details to others. That yeah. could have easily. Oh, we're out. We're out. They could have done something. They haven't. But I go beyond Emirate. It's it's so many people that sit there and, and don't ever think outside Alabama's going to get every recruit. No, they're right. not. Yeah. Uh, we brought this up two weeks ago. There are two billionaires, Michigan State alums, both own billion-dollar mortgage companies, basically do in a donation fight over who's the bigger fan. <laughs> yeah. That's just one school, mm -hmm. Michigan State. Yeah, You're going to tell me they can't afford a football player? <laughs> <laughs> These guys are one one donated thirty two million, so the other one came back and donated fifty. That was in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, and like you said, that's Michigan State. I mean, how many schools have have deep pockets, guys? How like about that? Michigan? Almost how about Ohio State? How about yeah. any of them? Central damn Michigan guy who started Starbucks went to Northern Michigan. Hey, let's maybe I, maybe I fund a hockey team. Who cares? They can all do it. It's just the same mindset. They, oh my God, everything's scary. It was the old Jim Delaney. The world is going to end if we give a stipend out to players. Right. That was an existential threat. USC can give $435 and Iowa can only give 303 Okay. <laughs> That'll do it. That's it. But the tap water. So, the tap water. That's <laughs> Iowa's. Oh, that's I don't know how good, the, how good ah. is the tap water in Iowa and in, 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 uh, Iowa City. I can't imagine they have crappy I'm... tap water. Well, they haven't really Look. stepped up and said much. <laughs> when when we do the live pod, we, we're going to have to basically do a live pod tour of Iowa. We'll do one in Ames and one in Iowa City, and we'll do it. We'll do a comparison, just like we have with the chicken sandwiches. It's got to be we done. Gotta. It's got to be done. Uh, anyway, that's where we're at. The judgment will be ruled by the end of of uh, June, sometime before the end of June. Far quicker than any yeah. NCA subcommittee. <laughs>
<laughs> they were like, we're going to analyze the uh, disparities between uh, women's and men's NCAA tournament and then uh, have a recommendation. Should be sometime this summer. Like, how long does this possibly take? <laughs> the Supreme Court's actually going to be faster than most trips to the monitor in these NCAA tournament games. So. <laughs> now, look, you can argue that the men's tournament and the women's tournament should not spend every like the same but if you are if your goal is to have equality in the experience i have a very simple answer pay the same amount yeah if if Don't do if it. somebody gets a, if the players are getting a hamburger on tuesday afternoon give them all a hamburger don't give the the women a bologna sandwich and the men a hamburger <laughs> they're getting a steak everybody gets a steak this doesn't seem hard how could this well, take yeah. to August? Here's the deal is, and this is classic NCAA, first of all, to never even think that this would be an issue, but they have two separate committees. They have the men's committee, they have the women's committee. They have nothing in common. They don't work together. <laughs> there is no coordination. There's no communication. So silo A goes off and does this, and silo B goes off and does this, and turns out silo A's done a lot better job than silo B. And then beyond that, <clears throat> the city of Indianapolis will do everything it can to spoil college athletes rotten with college basketball players, at least. City of San Antonio, like, eh, you know, we got some gyms for you. You know, it's just there's a little bit difference there from the civic standpoint, because that's where a lot of this stuff's coming from. But the fact that the NCAA never, it never crossed their mind to think that there should be some uniformity between these two, because the two committees or whatever they are, just they, they don't talk. They don't communicate. I would argue they're two different sports, and I actually don't know that there has to be unanimity. I mean, what what do you say about the hockey uh, right. tournament? What do you say about the swimming championships? What do you say? I mean, does everything have to be equal? I don't know. I don't really, I personally don't like it's not just right. men's and women's, it's based on the sport. But I right. guarantee you that the hockey players were not treated the same way. Yeah. Uh, they probably weren't, you know. Right? So, but the problem is when you have the same sport played by two different sexes, you have to. No one's going to cape for the damn hockey player. No. Okay. <laughs> There's nobody out there going totally crap meal up here in Fargo. <laughs> you know, um, it's it, nobody. There ain't, so, so you have to acknowledge, you have to look ahead, but anyway, whatever we've been down this path. They, they allowed themselves to walk right into a, a two by four to the head and they keep, and then, and then they kind of, it's like that scene in Tommy boy, right? And then he just keeps going back and getting more. I mean, I, I don't know. It's like stepping on the rake so it comes up and hits you in the face and then doing it again. <laughs> it's, it's every Wiley Coyote disaster. Yeah. All right, one other note on the um, Supreme Court. This was a fun statement. Uh, Justice uh, Clarence Thomas was uh, questioning. Uh, I can't remember who he was questioning at that moment. But he noted that uh, he, he had some concerns. Or how, how exactly would the smaller schools pay for it, different things? So he had this great quote. He said, that sounds fine for upper level schools, whether it's Alabama, Ohio State, Nebraska. <laughs> huh. uh, that was his question. Now, Clarence Thomas, I did not know this previously, but I've now brushed up on my Supreme Court fandom, <laughs> is a massive Cornhusker fan. Is he? Yes. Now, this this question, this line, in all fairness to to Justice Thomas. I don't need a Supreme Court justice mad at me. This God knows. <laughs> I'm not on the pod soon because I'm locked up. I don't know how it works anymore. Deported. Yeah. I've been deported. Um, the question is, uh, was kind of more about revenue. 
than anything else. But, you know, I could see him making the point on revenue. But as a Cornhusker fan, is this the ultimate, the ultimate, like, message board post? <laughs> Literally inside the Supreme Court, you just throw Nebraska in there with <laughs> Alabama and Ohio State. <laughs> see, we're still relevant. Just he going there? So. Yeah. Let Supreme me tell Court you about the big-time so. schools. Alabama, Ohio State. Nebraska. <laughs> what, what do you Dude, think his handle is on the on the rivals Husker forum? Do you think it's like Supreme <laughs> Supreme Husker sixty six? Got it. Yeah, Supreme Husker. Someone tweeted to me that's that's a true originalist. <laughs> Supreme Court humor. People went bananas on this. I, I mean, absolutely phenomenal. But if I'm a Husker fan and I'm a Supreme Court justice and I can get my little thing in there, you got to do it. <laughs> like what? Uh, Nebraska? What are you talking about? Everyone's nodding. Did Thomas go to Holy Cross? Am I making this up? He's not from. He's from like South Carolina. He's back in the 1990s with the rest of them, I guess. He went to Holy Cross and he went to Yale Law. His wife went to Creighton and she's from Omaha, Virginia. Uh, yeah, I think that was go. it. Okay. There you go. She's a uh, attorney and an activist. Um, they've been married since 87. So, yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, okay. one of the all-time great lines. I mean, it would have been better if he'd thrown Holy Cross in there. I guess if yeah. he was like, <laughs> you know, the real powers out there, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, College of the Holy Cross, <laughs> Gil Fennerty, or what was it? Is that guy? I bet he's like two-way? his alma mater, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the two-way player? Gordy Lockbaum, was that it? Yeah. Gordy Lockbaum, yeah. And you Sports Illustrated you. was trying to hype him for the Heisman. Like, Oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's like there was a they they I saw this thing a couple weeks ago. They had the Joe Dudek, Joe oh, Dudek yeah. over Bo. Uh, what over the Bo. heck? Why not Dudek? I believe was yeah. I don't know, what that was the, the heck? Cover, Dudek side head. Yeah, yeah they should win the Heisman. Like they were on this yeah. kick of like yeah, like you know, mid sized white dudes from New England <laughs> should win the Heisman. Like what the hell was going on at Sports <laughs> Illustrated? My God, people. Yeah. No. It was- uh, Dudek was the one that was real. Like at least Gordy Logbaum did have a a niche, a shtick. I mean, he was a he was a two way guy. He played both offense and defense. I don't remember what Joe Dudek had going for him. He had at set all. a million records at at Plymouth State at Division Two. I mean, that's but nice yeah. and all, but a little frightening know. that this. Uh, I don't even want to know what the editors yeah. in the mid eighties or whatever. And like, were. yeah, nobody nobody got around to doing that for like Jerry Rice. Yeah, no. Mississippi Valley. Come on. Now, nobody wanted to look at the HBCUs and say, mm-hmm. hey, maybe these guys are good. Yeah. Let's comb random New England football schools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lockbaum did have the two. He did play both ways, which is pretty crazy, even at that level. But still. Yeah. We digress. All right. Let's get to the games. We yeah. have a final four. <clears throat> We'd have a final four. Houston Baylor, Battle of Texas. Yep. I think it's classic that the Battle of Texas for a spot in the NCAA championship game is being played by Houston and Baylor. (laughs) Where are you, Longhorns? And we'll get to you. Aggies, all the other schools. We'll start there. Thoughts on this game uh, with, you know, some look back on it. Obviously, uh, Baylor just outlasted Arkansas, got a big and and held them off. And Houston got a big and outlasted Oregon State. Uh, Pat, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be this uh, great artistic affair. Now, I think Baylor sometimes gets short shrift. They're a much better offensive team than than they used to be, and this team is is very good at that end of the floor. But they haven't really consistently played, I don't think, at a super high level. 
this tournament. They had the COVID stop for three weeks and they came back and they've been really good, obviously good enough to make the final four and, you know, control the games that they've played, but they haven't just been, I haven't seen them look anything like Gonzaga looked as far as like breathtaking excellence. Uh, and Houston will make every game a, just a chore and a battle. You know, they are tough and they defend and they rebound like crazy. And there's, that's one area where Baylor does not excel is keeping the other team off the glass. So if you want to find, you can scheme a way for Houston to at least be in the game, if not win the game, uh, I think. Whereas the other semifinal, I cannot do any such thing, but we'll get to that one in a minute. All right. So you are picking Baylor to win this game, though? Yes, yes. Because the spread was five, I believe. Yeah, uh, that seems about right. I would would probably take Baylor and give the points, but uh, but that sounds about right. All right. Pete, thoughts on Houston, Baylor, and then a pick? Yeah. I, uh, I'm so tantalized by the Baylor Gonzaga final, right? Like, you know, we don't root anything like that, but that, that'd be a lot of fun now. You know, that was the collision course we've been on all season. It'd be neat to see it. That's it. I mean, Houston has a, Houston has a real chance to win this game. I don't think they, uh, I don't, Houston has a better chance to beat Baylor. I think the new CLA does to beat, uh, to beat Gonzaga. And, uh, and I'm sure the lines reflect that penetrating analysis that I just gave. It's been interesting to see the evolution of Kelvin Sampson's teams at Houston because the old joke when he was at Oklahoma was that his teams needed an offensive coordinator, right? Like they were just so good defensively and there was so much stress and they rebounded so well. And he went to the NBA, you know, learned a lot about spacing and their, their teams do a lot of the corner threes. And, you know, there's there's a there's a flow in spacing that's like there's there's NBA-like and NBA influence. And Kelvin Sampson told me uh, a couple of years ago for a story, like he was almost like embarrassed how like little he didn't know when he got to the NBA. He had such a big learning curve and learned so much. And it's, it's reflected in his team. I believe they're top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency in, uh, in, in Ken Palm. And, you know, they obviously have Giroux who had, who has had the best defensive tournament that I can think of anyway. I mean, what he did to Buddy Beheim, oh. obviously, uh, obviously the and other Ethan night. Thompson and, too killed yeah, him. And then, as I then Ethan Thompson. I mean, back to back nights, he just basically took two of the hottest players in the tournament and just doused them in, uh, in, in cold water. And that's like the Kelvin Sampson. We know, uh, that there's, uh, you know, like, Somebody took a charge early in uh, early in the Elite Eight game, and uh, like that was the most excited the Houston bench got the entire time. And the uh, the other uh, the other moment that stood out from that game was late in the game. I think Houston's up five uh, after getting five offensive rebounds and three possessions. Ethan Thompson goes down the lane. He goes to like stick a little arm bar into Jarreau, you know, trips over his own feet. Jarreau dives on the floor, gra- you know, grabs him, jump ball. Like to me, that's like those are the tenets of the Kelvin Sampson team. But the offense can now complement it. Obviously, uh, Quentin Grimes is uh, is is a really dynamic player. There's more shooters than we've uh, than we've seen, and the offensive rebound is still a potent force. So it's been fun to see that evolution. I just think uh, depth wise and skill wise, uh, I had not seen in person live Davion Mitchell until I watched Baylor in the Elite Eight game the other day. And boy, he he just has like a special gear and pop that there were two or three drives in the basket where it was just like, wow, his first step, his ability to to go and bounce. Um, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see him again. And then he didn't get to guard on the ball a ton in that game because he had some foul trouble. So the, to just going to watch that disruptive force live is going to be a lot of fun this weekend. So 
All, all that said, uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to not pick chalk here. Uh, credit to the bold person who who goes against the uh, favorites and is right uh, is is right here. There's a path for Houston to win. I just don't think that they'll end up on it. Quick question for you guys on this: Who are good mind? Has Baylor played inside Lucas Oil yet? Yeah, yeah. Um, all the uh, the Sweet Sixteen. Elite oh, eight oh games that's right, because they were yeah. on those two courts. Okay, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a big deal. And the for fact all the elite that. And the fact that I think it's not a huge game, because one thing that does happen when you get to that final four is the scale of playing this weird. It's not a basketball gym. It's in the middle of a football stadium with 80,000. It's the weirdest stage, completely unusual. The sight lines, the lighting, everything. And you it is not uncommon for someone to just absolutely shoot, just not be able to hit a shot. Yeah, it's not uncommon for teams to get there and just be horror. I remember Dwayne Wade. I couldn't oh. score a basket. Oh, that Marquette team got it's crushed. Dwayne Wade. Yeah. OK, like if it can hurt Dwayne Wade. So you just never know what's going to happen in that that game. This will be a different setup, but maybe not because they're not putting the crowds in. So, well, I I th- that helps Baylor. Right. They're not putting it on that stage in the middle now. I don't know what they're doing. I think they are. I think they're reconfiguring so they can get more fans. Oh, I see. You know? I mean, well, there's still going to be a lot of empty seats and it's going to be big and cavernous, but it's already been big and cavernous. Yeah. You know, I mean, even with it, that's one X factor because clearly Houston has to completely muck this game up and win like 58, 56. And Baylor needs to shoot like 27%. Like, and, and Houston could do that, could create that. That is, I think, their only path. My thing with Houston is, Congratulations to them. This, none of this is your fault. They beat a 16 seed, a 10 seeded Rutgers who gagged the game away, an 11 seed Syracuse team, and a 12 seed Oregon State. They had the single easiest path to the Final Four of any team ever. ever. None of this is their fault. Congratulations. Take it. Who cares? But, and I hate to sit there and be like, are you good enough? Because you still haven't proven it. But if there has ever been a Final Four team, that has not, you, you go, who, who'd you beat? <laughs> like, oh my God, Bill Hancock would throw these guys out in like two seconds. Get out allowed in. <laughs> who have you beaten? Strike the victory. Ain't beat nobody. Houston ain't played nobody. But, so I don't know. I, that's my thing. But I love their defense. Can they make this game so ugly? I mean, they're 28 and three. They're really good. Kelvin Sampson is a hell of a coach. He's got a bunch of just Dobermans out there. And it's like, man, if this thing gets ugly. Yeah, they can win this game. But I think the smart pick is Baylor. I, I just was going to follow up before we get to the second. Game. I'd be curious. So I've obviously seen Pat here in Indianapolis, but like you're not chatting like normal because it's masks and distant and it's weird. I I think it would be smart to give our listeners a little sense of what it's been like in the building. Does that make sense? Like just a yeah. little bit more, more of a sense of that. So, Pat, what did you what did you've covered? How many final fours now, Pat? Uh, all of them since 91. OK, so whatever that number is. Yeah, we're not good at math. Uh, just what, what, it, where did this? Uh, and again, it's not. We're not at the Final Four yet. But what was the environment like? You've been in a lot of arenas, a lot of NCAA tournament games. What, what did you think of the environment Monday, Tuesday? Given the fact that there were acres of empty seats, I didn't think it was bad. You know, I mean, I thought that you got a feel of a big time basketball game. That there was there was fan noise. You know, you didn't need anything piped in. There was certainly no no shortage of intensity 
It was one thing. It, uh, this was interesting. Mike Merritt from the AP pointed this out that at the, the very first game of the year, basically, uh, he and I sat next to each other in Banker's Life to watch Kentucky and Kansas play a, a just atrocious game in November that was a precursor for both of their seasons. But we were sitting upper level there, and you could hear Calipari talking to his players. That's not the case here. You know, I mean, even sitting down pretty low where we were uh, in Lucas Oil. You couldn't hear what was going on on the bench because there was some actual atmosphere there. So, you know, it's not the same. It's not these cascading roars, but I thought that, that it was a decent atmosphere. Not as good as at Hinkle. Hinkle was, you could really feel it. Yeah, Hinkle, you could feel like every bleacher stomp in your in your ribs, which <laughs> felt really good to feel again. Uh, no, it was almost like a game in a snow globe. Right. Like you could you could hear the noise, but it was like so distant. It, there was yeah. atmosphere and I'm not discounting. It was just kind of surreal. That was what I was sort of hoping to capture. And I hadn't really articulated it yet. But just sitting there for for four games, I guess, the last uh, the last two days, you felt worst for the players and in, in coaches when they won only because like they had nobody to celebrate with. Right. Because like, they're in a bubble. So there's no families. There's no wives. There's no like there's just no anything. So. Mick Cronin's up like kind of waving to his family and they're 15 feet up elevated from him 20 rows back. And that's, yeah. that's bad, basic estimated math. But like they're there and it's so that, like there's this disconnection. A lot of players ran to the locker room, got their phones and came back because that was that, the only way to connect with others who were, I mean, literally they're FaceTiming people and waving them out of the stands at the same time. So yeah, it, yeah. that is usually such a powerful moment cutting down the nets. And that felt empty. So, again, that doesn't really have anything to do with the games that picking them and, you know, what's going to happen. But it was just like when I think back to this, you know, most weird of NCAA tournaments, I think that's one of the things that that I'm going to that I'm going to remember. There was just like but in, in a lot of the crowd had emptied out by the time the nets are cut down. It was kind of lonely. I think that would be the way yeah. I would describe it. Like it was it was just sort of like, oh, these guys are on the court cutting down a net. And it just it, it lacks that typical buzz of the moment. Now, everyone was excited. Don't get me wrong. Nobody was sitting around pouting with their arms crossed. But it just, uh, we've all been there for, you know, dozens of times to watch teams have that moment. And it just was distinctly different. Yeah, no, the, the post game for sure. And that's the thing I did notice that Houston's managers, uh, I don't know about UCLA's, but they, they had the, they like, they had all the players' phones there ready for them. You know, it's like as soon as they win, hey, here's your phones. Start taking pictures, start fake, you know, and and so then that was it. Yeah, it's like I saw it like Tiger Campbell, the UCLA guard, is like looking at his parents, you know, going like this, I'm gonna call you, uh, or call me or FaceTime or whatever. It is that that part of it's very different. And the other thing that you know isn't happening that's a bummer, they're not going back to this great hotel scene. You know, the bus pulls up and there's 200 fans in there and your parents are there and your brother and your sister and everything. And you come off and you get that hero's welcome. No, you're going back into into lockdown. All right. Gonzaga, UCLA. Gonzaga absolutely destroyed USC. Gave him the woodshed beating from the start. UCLA outlast Michigan, who did not hit a basket. Michigan, Michigan allowed five points from five. I think it's 545 left in the game. They allowed five points their defense, and, and lost. lost. <laughs> and one of the points was an intentional foul. Yeah. They did not hit a basket with 525 to go. They missed eight shots. A number of them were good looks. Johnny Juzang is my hero just because he's. that's a fun name to say. <laughs> yeah. This will be the Johnny Juzang game. That's Johnny yeah. Juzang is awesome. 
He could not score enough, so I could hear the words Johnny Juzang. (laughs) 28 points, Kentucky transfer. See, they say Kentucky is one and done. They don't develop players. They do. He just went to UCLA. (laughs) He was one and done at Kentucky to the detriment of Kentucky. This is what these schools have to do now, is you need to find a way to connect with players so they don't transfer. If you have something powerful, they won't transfer because that kid played great. Played great. What helped Kentucky a lot this year? Anyway, uh, UCLA had no bench points. <laughs> Juzang scored more than half the points. They only scored fifty-one. I mean, it was a rough game. So obviously, Bruins make it phenomenal. They come from the first four to the final four. Uh, great job by Mick Cronin. But do they stand any chance against the Bulldogs? So I just got my Yahoo uh, my Yahoo Sports alert now that uh, in in a, in great teasing fashion said it was the that game is going to be the biggest point spread in Final Four history, but it didn't say what and points. Half. What is it? I think it's thirteen and a half. Thirteen, 13 and a half. Yeah, 14, okay, yeah, they teased me into clicking. So good good job by our alerts team. They're uh, they're 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 all uh, they're all over it. I have a hard time thinking this UCLA team. I think they'll put up more resistance than USC did because they'll have a more refined game plan defensively and they will be able to care for the ball. I mean, USC just snowballed downhill because they turned the ball over three times in the first 90 seconds and it was just over. And Gonzaga in transition is something to behold. I mean, Suggs made a couple passes where you like, you know, your spine jumps up out of, out of the seat. You're just like, whoa, did he just do that? Like, you know, threading thread double teams with like one bounces and it really, really, uh, really, really fun stuff. Really, it was a sight to behold um, watching them just completely lap up USC uh, last night. So there is certainly a chance Mick Cronin could come up with some stuff defensively, and they do have some fun offensive weapons. Uh, Tiger Campbell's been big in some spots. Obviously, they have the great Johnny Juzang. And obviously, Jaime Hawkes has been great at times in this tournament. He's probably been their best player in the tournament. So they're, they're, they do have some options. They are thin. It, ju- it, it seems like they're going to be the team that sputters in a little bit just with with all the personnel losses they've had throughout the year losing Knicks to the G League Chris Smith uh, obviously with the knee injury um certainly they're not going to be happy to be here but I I do think this is a this is Mick Cronin has squeezed every drop out of out of out of this team and they'll throw a few haymakers and uh have a couple surprises for the Zags I'm sure and I don't think they'll just completely fold like USC did but I can't. Uh, I can't see a lot of paths to 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 UCLA winning this game. It's going to be a blowout. I just, <laughs> okay. I, I, I just, I just don't think there's any way around it. I mean, as you said, he squeezed every last drop out of this team, and I think he knows it. And I think the players probably have a pretty good idea of it too. You know, it took a while in the post game for anybody to get around to saying we're not done yet. There, there was usually that comes pretty quickly, uh, but I don't think it really, you know, they, they can say it, but I'm not sure they believe it. They may believe it even, but when you get on the floor against Gonzaga, look out. I mean, they are on pace to set a record for victory margin for a national champion through a six game tournament. Incredibly good offense. I mean, like, I've, I, I'm not, I can't remember the last time I saw a team this good offensively. Maybe when, you know, Villanova was rolling in 2018 at the end with the shooting, but there, but this is a passing transition thing. So it's different. I mean, I, I'm just floored by what they're doing. I just, they, they totally have the eye of the tiger. Like, they, Gonzaga wants to play these Pac 12 teams. There is a Mark Few chip the size of Mount Everest on his shoulder about the Pac 12. Always has been. You know, they're the big conference out there. They're playing in the little West Coast conference. So he, hey, 
He kept his starters in till a minute left against USC. He wanted to win that one by 20, and he did. Uh, I, it's going to be the same thing this time around. Uh, I just, I, I, UCLA, my hat's off to him. Johnny Juzang's performance, I thought, was the best performance by offensively by a player in this tournament. He scored 28 of a team's 51. I mean, they can't get buckets anywhere. He was the only thing that kept him in the game in the first half, and then in the second half, he's hitting big shots. I said, he, you know, it wasn't quite Bill Walton going 21 for 22 or Lou Alcindor or Gail Goodrich in 1965, but it was a really, really great, all-time great performance for a UCLA kid. That was that was just outstanding. But they're going to, you know, Jalen Suggs or whoever's going to be guarding him is going to be up on him, and they're going to make him work really hard at the other end. Uh, I just don't think UCLA is going to have any answers for this one. You know, the way I look at this game is what are the chances – that UCLA could hold Gonzaga to 70 points. I think minuscule. Yeah. At the same time, what are the chances UCLA can score 70 points? Not Gonzaga like four guys on the floor, maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know where the path for victory is there. If you can't hold yeah. them to 70, and then even if you do, you can't score 70. They won because Michigan kicked that game away. You know, not taking any... But, I mean, they got look after look after look, and they just started just – they just kept missing shots. I yeah. mean – Poor so, Franz Wagner. Holy Wagner God. Wagner oh, oh. just felt bad for him. He's a great player, yeah. but, my goodness, just miss and miss and miss. And it's just it, – you know, so I I don't see any any way UCLA wins. Uh, you prove me wrong. Good for you. Um, so that's going to be our final. And then I think, obviously, everybody wants that Baylor-Gonzaga final will be – Gonzaga will have to, if that's the final, they're going to have to uh, have to earn that 30-second win. And that was a game that got canceled due to COVID early in the year. Yeah, really antis- highly anticipated. I was going to drive up there and see it, and then it got canceled right before I was getting in the car. It was because it was going to be in Indianapolis. Yeah. that's If you want to know, Dan, the, <clears throat> the last time Gonzaga didn't score 70 <clears throat> was November 29th of 2019. <laughs> so it's been a long, long time. Yeah. It, not happening. Yeah. So you know, I don't know what number you think UCLA can max out in scoring, but you would then have to hold Bay, uh, Gonzaga to one less than that. And I don't, I just don't. Yeah, I don't see it. All right. Briefly on the women's basketball Final Four, uh, because the, the games will be played uh, Friday and uh, Sunday. And I, what I can tell you, having watched some of this, is I would expect Sunday's game to be between the University of Connecticut and South Carolina. They certainly look like the two. No offense, Pat, to Stanford. What about the Stanford Cardinal? Come on. Stanford Cardinal will take on South Carolina. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. We're not going to go through a full breakdown because you guys didn't watch I, one I, minute. I, I will break down nothing, but I will say something. So we're trying to trying to honor our day. Well, I mean, yeah. look, at, I could bring up the, 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 the hockey tournament, which was phenomenal. I could talk for an hour about the North Dakota <laughs> Duluth game that went five overtimes. But yeah, I, I, did, I did watch a little bit of that. That was on so long that I got back from covering a basketball game at like one one twenty and turned it on. There was absolute phenomenal game. I, I mean, there's so much one Oh five from Hinkle about, uh, I realized at the juncture, there would be no coaches left in the tournament. One title. So we're going to have a new title winner. And just was like, right. In my column that popped in my mind. So I threw it on Twitter and some follower who I can only assume is a pod listener. was like, are you watching this hockey game, Pete? And I was like, I didn't even know the hockey game was being played. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally put like, you know, and then I went on Twitter. Other people were talking about it, but it wasn't like, 
oh, look at the number two seed this versus number seven. So I had to like, you know, you have to recontextualize it. And then it was in like the seventh overtime. And I was like, I'm going to be in Hinkle till four in the morning if I watch this hockey game. But I was like, so I tweeted it just to let people know. Because like if I was home, I would certainly flip it on. We're all sports fans, right? Like I, you know, yeah. if, if a hockey game is in five overtimes, I'm going to watch it. And uh, so people were, uh, people were pretty fired up about that. It sounded pretty cool. College hockey so. tournament is very well maybe the biggest jump in terms of like how good the regular season is to how good the actual tournament is in any NCAA sport, because there aren't a whole lot of hockey teams. So to get in the top 16 and get in, not that hard. Like, I mean, there, I think one of the teams is like 11 and nine. Like it, <laughs> it, Bracket creep is real in college hockey, but every game is a game seven. Yeah. It's I, the, the yeah. hockey. It's I watch it every year. It's phenomenal. It, if you like hockey, it's phenomenal. Who's it's left? always on like ESPN News it's, at like four thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, talk about no respect, none. They get nothing. But you gotta you gotta work to find it. But if you do, and then yeah. these schools, you get to. I love that these schools that are good. You know, Bemidji State and oh which, yeah, Saint Cloud State, Saint right? Cloud, Minnesota. The claim State. to fame of Bemidji is their hockey arena is next to a pond, a lake, and in the winter. They park the cars for the fans on the lake. Holy cow. I would be nervous doing that. <laughs> That's some serious Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll get off the hockey thing. So I, I'm. I, Who's left say, in hockey, Dan? Three Minnesota schools in UMass, right? Yeah, UMass is in it. Oh, yeah, we broke the all Minnesota. finally coming through. Yeah. Yeah. We bought some left they wingers the, for the uh, minute. Hey, you won't see, you won't see St. Cloud State looking around here anymore. They'll be running from <laughs> UMass. Uh, Minnesota State. Duluth. St. Cloud, right? St. Cloud. Yeah, it wasn't St. Cloud. Who do you? Oh, you asked me Bemidji State. I watched the game. It's Sorry. a bad April will be the Gophers coach if there's three Minnesota schools and you're not one of them. <laughs> no, I know. It was. They lost to Minnesota State. There's a Minnesota versus Minnesota State game. <laughs> the whole thing was so Minnesota. It was just. <laughs> I said they should uh, move it to Minnesota. But Paige Beckers is uh, phenomenal to watch. I looked up her height. She's taller than I thought. She looks like she's about 5'7". She doesn't even look... She's. They say she's 5'11". Okay. I'm going to split the difference on that. Yeah. Um, there's no... She's really slight. She doesn't have any, like, muscle. She doesn't even really... I would say this with all due respect. But she, does not, she, she doesn't pop off the screen as a natural athlete. Like, no. even at I that mean, that's, size. Yeah. You and somehow she cannot be guarded. Yeah. It's just like she somehow she just they just she just keeps she cannot be guarded. Um, she reminds me in in a in some very different way. But there was a couple years ago, UConn was in the UConn had like a thousand game winning streak going on. And it finally ended. Mississippi State beat them in like the final four. And this this the woman that beat him was named Morgan William. I think it was not Williams. I always stuck her Morgan William. And she was like five foot four. And she got the ball in the last second shot and just hit it. And, and it was like, that's how you, that's the person that beat UConn? Like, how did you not block her shot? It's, it's like, it was so great. And that's a little bit of like, Becker, you're just watching her go, how the heck is that even going? What is going on here? Like all these other players. And it's just, just kind of slid, does nothing fast. There's no like, there's nothing. It's just the ball always goes in the net. Phenomenal to watch. It's mesmerizing. Skill and savvy, huh? Watch the games this weekend. It's good. When women's Final Four, I covered, I think, six of them. They were always very good. 
Uh, it's always the same team. So you got brand awareness. There's never, yeah, there's always one upstart. Sure. We got Arizona this year. Yeah. Right. Good right. luck. First timer. Yeah. There's always but that's, one. Yeah. That's the, that's the one drawback to having this Monday, Tuesday set up is that the, the women's games and the men's games are happening at the same time. And I, I was lamenting Oregon State having to watch them, uh, you know, when they scored 17 in the first half against Houston. And on all, let many kindly people on Twitter were like, why don't you just watch the women's game? Uh, I'm in the arena. I'm courtside. Not really an option. And some one day says you can get watch ESPN on your phone. I'm like I'm working here. All right, I'm covering this game. Sorry. The Baylor UConn game was way better, and it was fun to watch. I'm I'm interested to see the ratings for everything because one thing that having the two games head to head at first I was against it. Now I actually think it might work because you actually are clicking between the two events. Yeah. And and so like I was college basketball fans are tuned in. And and one of the things about women's college basketball is the majority of the viewership is men. Right. It's still right. So interesting. You know, I there's know this, now some of them, um, at least I've seen that study. Now, some of them just like women's college basketball for men's college, but there's sort of this kind of like this concept sometimes in the media, like women like this, like, no, men, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you don't, if you can't watch, you can't, if UConn in South Carolina play and Paige Beckers goes for 28 and and and, th- and and there's a ton of great athletes. I'm just using her. She's pl- going to be the player of the year as a freshman. And you you can't watch that and be like, this is an entertaining sport. This is high level. Dr-. That's fine, but I don't think he, I don't think it has to be. His gender has anything to do with it. It's no. entertaining. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good basketball. Yeah. So, um, I, I called our editors the the night of that Oregon State game. I was like, I was at the wrong tournament last night, you know, because the, all the stories were out of were, were out of the were out of San Antonio. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, two high profile coaches, quite frankly, a lot more high profile than Wayne Tinkle, right? Like, um, you know, got, you know, saying interesting stuff in the post game, you had a controversial call, like, yeah, and you had a bigger star, really. Paige Beckers is way better known than anyone on Oregon State or Houston. No, not even close. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, so no, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to see, but I do agree. Like, if, and Dan wrote a good column saying he likes the way the, the rhythms of this tournament are, especially with the exposure of the Sweet 16. I agree with that. I do think for the sake of equity, you adjust the women. If you are going to change the men's tournament this way, you adjust the women's tournament somehow for exclusive windows. I just think that's common sense. Yeah. 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 I, but I don't, I, I, I agree, but I'm, I'm interested to see those ratings because you're not asking college basketball fans to tune in Okay, there's more men's fans than women's fans, right? Fans of the men's game than the women's. They're tuned in. So they're watching TV, and it's very easy for them. It's easier for them to click between CBS or TBS and ESPN than it is to tune in when they weren't planning on tuning in. Because the women's final four games generally only get like one, they get like a 1.0. Maybe a one if they get a good matchup with Notre Dame, UConn, they get a they don't get to a one point seven something like that. Like these are not big numbers because and so I, honestly, I, I'll be very interested if you have you could very easily have had a much higher rating for an Elite Eight game because every there's fifteen million basketball college basketball fans watching. And there's enough of them that are not like this. This is concept like everything's sexist. Oh, I hate women. Like I don't think most people are like that. It's like good sports and yeah. sport, right? Yeah. This game stinks. I don't know who Wayne Tinkle is. 
<laughs> I do know who Gino Ariema is. Right? <laughs> All right, let's get to Indiana. Uh, the hire has been made. None of us had this one down. <laughs> Mike Woodson, former Hoosier great, coached the Hawks and the Knicks in the NBA. He's a Knicks assistant. It was kind of funny. I thought that was funny when he went back to the Knicks. It's like you get, you know, I mean, it happens in the NBA. There's only so many jobs, but it's like you fired me, then brought me back as an assistant. <laughs> um, kind of awkward. He gets the job. Uh, Thad Mata, who they may have probably wanted, but uh, for health reasons, perhaps couldn't be the head coach. I don't know how this all played out. Maybe you guys do. Is a going to be like an AD in charge of basketball, which is kind of weird. Uh, different. Um, I don't think Mike Woodson, you know, he, maybe that can help guide him on the college thing. Impressive guy. Uh, Mike Woodson's a very impressive guy to talk to. Obviously, he's got NBA experience, but you have, this is a different ball game in college. There's, there's, there's recruiting. There's transfer. Mar- there's, it's a different game. There it is. It's certainly an out of, slightly out of the box uh, hire. The Knight, Bob Knight old guard finally got their victory. You know, that night got ran out of there in 2000 in disgrace. And every coach since then has been someone not related to Bob Knight. I mean, Mike Davis was promoted interim, but Knight, you know, ostracized him immediately. You know, uh, that there was a complete break there. So Mike Davis was not a night guy. He was followed by Kelvin Sampson, who was not a night guy. He was followed by Tom Crean, who was not a night guy. He was followed by Archie Miller, who was not a night guy. And the whole time, the night faction is just sitting there in the background saying, we need a night guy. We need a night guy. We need, you know, we need, we got to reconnect with our past. We got our tradition, our heritage, blah, 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 blah. And they weren't listened to. And finally, they ran out of options because everybody else stunk. And so Quinn Buckner, point guard on the 1976 undefeated team, Basically stepped up and I think took charge of this thing and went to uh, Scott Dolson, the AD. He's like, it's time for the night guy and this is the guy to hire. Let's make it happen. And Dolson is a night guy himself, former team manager, and is a is new to this position as the AD. And before that, you know, he was a, he was a fundraiser guy. Uh, so I don't think that he brings a whole lot of force to the job. So I think he was pretty easy to direct. I mean, they may not have started with Mike Woodson, but they ended there, I think, because Quinn Buckner told him to, frankly. Is it going to work? I I have no reason to say to be super optimistic it will. He'll coach fine. Pete wrote that. I wrote that. Uh, You know, I think that that he he understands the game. But that's, you know, recruiting, such a big part of this, knowing the recruiting terrain – uh, you know, there, there, there are so many things relating to 18 year olds, especially now when it's not just recruit them, but retrain, retain them. Cause they all want to transfer. There's over a thousand kids in the transfer portal right now. So I, I think he's up against it and we'll see if he's got a six year contract. So they're going to, they're, they're at least on paper going to give him a long opportunity. We'll see if it turns out that way. Well, to me, and I don't know Mike Woodson. I've never met Mike Woodson. He obviously has a fine track record as an NBA coach, nine seasons, uh, more than a dozen, I believe, as an assistant. He played in the league for 10 years. Mike Woodson knows basketball. That, 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 is, that is clear. Mike Woodson as a college basketball coach, to me, there's a lot more paths to failure than there is to recapturing that glory of the, of the night years. And, I mean, I would, just, I would just shake it down this way. I talked to some ADs uh, in the last few days. If you asked 100 ADs, would you rather have Archie Miller as a head coach 
or would you rather have Mike Woodson as a head coach in college? I guess at least 80 would probably take Archie Miller. That number could go as high as like 90. I don't know. Like, would you guys agree with me on there? Who would you rather have? I mean, I haven't had the, those discussions, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, who would, would you the rather AD have? You're the, who would you're the AD. At, oh, at who would I? Well, I don't know. Having just watched Archie Miller, I'd say let's give this other guy a chance. But I mean, when when Archie Miller was coming in, I certainly thought he was a better hire than I do think that Mike Woodson is. Yeah, and I, mean, I was Archie wrong. About has Archie has the I'll, Archie I'll has the traditional resume. That said, you know there is a, like an you're exploiting market forces where you're saying I'm going to pluck a guy. Well, I, it's just these these predictions are so hard because. Archie Archie Miller should have been successful. Guy was a did a really good job at not a mid major, but an A ten program, which is a whatever you want to call it, high mid major at Dayton, like right there, better than like, twenty high major jobs. Yeah, like you have media, you have fan, like that is a really good hire. If you can get the guy who's winning at Dayton. You are going to a Big Ten school if you want it. And he that was a really smart didn't work. I don't know. Now, does this work? Like it's it was kind of like with Jawan Howard, like, you know, the people that said, oh, you're not gonna work. Well, you don't know that. You no. also don't know that it will. You just right. until a guy coaches there, you have no idea. Right. And so I don't know. But yes, this is a non-traditional hire. Yeah. Jawan Howard had three sons in the AAU circuit. Right. Right. So he lived in that world. He understood it. He spoke the language. There was no adjustment. I don't know Mike Woodson's exposure to the AU world other than it, it does not appear to be significant. And so it's I mean, look, it's a deal making business. You can you can call it what you want. It's not a how do we guard the ball screen business. It's a deal making roster manipulation business. And it does take a certain level of cutthroat. And my worry for Woodson is this, and, I, and I'll be rooting for him. It, it, Indiana being good in, in basketball, it's like Notre Dame being good in football. Like it just makes it everything a little more interesting. There's so much history there. It's such a such a special place. It, to me, the Mike Woodson hire is like people were so quickly pointing to the Thad Mata component of it and the fact that they were kind of announced concurrently. It's almost like the head coach hire where there's so much more focus on the coordinator. Like, oh, well, he's bringing in this guy's though. Well, the... Thad Mata is not going to be the one who builds the true relationship with the players. And you could bring in Dane Pfeiffer. Mike Lewis, uh, he probably made himself some money last night with UCLA's when the uh, former Indiana point guard, assistant at Butler, one of the sharpest young guys in the game. Like, you could bring in all these great assistants, but they're not going to, if they're decent, they're not going to last more than two years, right? Like, if Dane Fife helps bring Indiana back to the tournament, he's going to go be the coach at Wright State or, you know, some metaphorical Indiana State. So, I just I don't know if that's like a way. And Mike Woodson's sixty three, so I just don't. I like the paths to this working to me are very narrow. Yeah, I agree. And to me, to me, we don't know. But yeah, he has just the game is just not about actual coaching. It's also not about just lining up, you know, Indiana high school coaches and getting behind it and sending them. That's not how it works anymore. It's not about right. kids in Indiana growing up to play for IU. Yeah, some of them do. Absolutely. Some of them don't. Some dream up to go play for Michigan State or Ohio State or Kentucky. Purdue. Or, or Gonzaga. Two straight years, Jalen Suggs and then Chet Holgram, who's are both from Minneapolis, probably the two best players in the Midwest. Suggs goes to Gonzaga. Holgram's probably going to go to Gonzaga. Or is possibly, you know. Pretty much, like those, yeah. 
those days of just like rounding up your guys, you can do some. That's how Izzo built this program. It's just different. And the IU's been so it's a he's got a ton of challenges that have nothing to do with coaching basketball or being a good leader or all that. And can he solve those problems? That's the question for every one of these guys. We just said John Calipari's in the Hall of Fame, won a national titles, won a million games. He wasn't up to the challenge this year. He lost a guy who just scored 28 points in the Elite Eight. He let him get out of there to go to UCLA, didn't recruit the right guys coming in, and the whole season went to crap. I don't think anyone looks and goes, geez, does John Galpari have his finger on how to handle a – yeah, it does. That's the one – you can, you know, he knows how – he knows the terrain, and he couldn't get it done. Mike Krzyzewski couldn't get the terrain done this year. And so it's just such a, such a, such a challenge for him. Does he get that? I don't think Thad Mott is the answer. Like Thad, maybe he's helped, but it's who are your three assistants? Yeah. And those three better be yeah. really, really sharp guys, or and one of them better be about 25 years old. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to be, I don't think he's he's done his uh, his staff. I think Kenya Hunter was going to stay, uh, which probably helps. Um, but I don't think that there's a whole, that whole staff. It'd be very, very interesting to see. But there's, and then there's just a lot of pressure on Indiana to be really, really good. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but, it's a it's the Big Ten for all its failures in March is really tough January through the Big Ten tournament. No doubt. Every hire is wait and see, but this one I think is even more than a lot of others. Certainly not what I the guy who paid ten million to buy out Archie, did he did he do it thinking he was gonna end up with, with Woodson, or did he do it thinking he was gonna get Scott Drew or hey, I was touting Mick Cronin. Mick yeah. Cronin, uh, like you month. were touting Mick Cronin weeks ago. Yeah. Mick wants to get back with his dad, who's now like on TV every 10 seconds. His I never thought Mr. Cronin would be a TV star. He's a nice guy. I've met him. It's yeah. like, yeah. Guy, Dana, like, I don't think he feels Dana too Altman comfortable. Eric Musselman. Like, there's like good, proven NCAA tournament winning coaches like that you, you know, that I think would have. What if well, they, if you want to go in the 60s, why not you take Beeline at 68? I, yeah. I would take Beeline. Taking a 63-year-old, I mean, Beeline night is guy, 100% a night guaranteed. Guy. We've tried everything else. We haven't gotten a night guy. Beeline fits like the Indiana basketball sensibilities. He plays a beautiful way. He's you know one of the five best strategists of our generation, would you say? Yeah. I, I hope it works for Woodson. I'd love to see some juice back there. I think we'll know pretty quick, actually, because – that that roster is pretty depleted right now, and he has to go fill it. Hey, good luck, you know. Like go go battle the portal, go figure out recruiting. You know, yeah. go. I mean, portal recruiting is even more cutthroat than high school recruiting in a lot of ways, right? Because it's sure. like done in it's done in seventy two hours. Um, I'm already seeing like guys like like I didn't even realize they left have already picked a new place, and so you need to be hardwired, and you need to bring in someone who's hardwired and can do that immediately. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it's going to be really interesting. All right. Other big job openings since we last talked, last spoke, was the University of Texas. Shaka Smart heads to Marquette, as was hinted on in this podcast, or speculated at least. He's from Wisconsin. He, was, he wasn't going to last at Texas. It was either going to be this spring or it was going to be next spring unless he somehow got to a Final Four. Uh Abilene Christian did did him. There's kind of no coming back from that one. It was when like Chris when Beard you, takes the Texas job, you should make a big donation to the Abilene Christian yeah, uh, athletic yeah. department. <laughs> At least by so, Joe Golding a stake somewhere. 
are we all set on Chris Beard getting this job when his buyout after April first drops significantly? Anyone uh, else? You know, I, I, I mean, he should. I think he's a logical choice. I think he has interest in it. I don't know. You know, we'll see if Texas is going to pull the trigger on it. I mean, again, that he should get the call. We're talking uh, here on the thirty first. Yeah, we're Chris Beard on the 31st, at Texas Tech. So. His buyout drops to like it drops in half or something. It drops on from April five to four million on April first. That's it. Only to four. I yeah. believe. I believe I, so. Yes, I think that's you right. Find that in the couch down there in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> well, they already had. To, they found a lot, and they, they had to go through a couple couches to make their football change. So you know, got to check a new couch. I had an AD call me today and be like, happy day before Chris Beard buyout day. <laughs> this morning. I mean, yeah, well, they're getting their stuff together. Uh, fairly funny up in Lubbock in an effort to keep them to stay. A bunch of businesses in Lubbock are offering free stuff to Coach Beard <laughs> if he will stay. Now, this is the kind of thing that really circles back to the NCA first Alston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's literally businesses trying to do exactly what. Which one of these would keep you? Now, let's hear the Italian him. Garden of Lubbock. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is one of the garden. I already, got, I already like have warmed over ketchup for my seafood views, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get in on it. Italian food in Lubbock. <laughs> yeah, Mama's sauce. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Italian Garden of Lubbock uh, is offering free pasta for life if he stays. For life. Oh, yeah. For life. <laughs> That's, That's the, the endless pasta bowl at uh, what What the heck is that? Uh, something Garden. Olive, Olive Garden. Garden. Yeah. yeah, this is taking that. This to, isn't to even. This is level. like off brand Olive Garden. Yeah. Okay, this is Italian <laughs> Garden. They're kind of stealing. <laughs> It's like uh, from coming to America. It's not McDonald's, it's McDonald's. <laughs> they got the golden arches. We got the golden arcs. Uh, if he doesn't want carbs, Beef O'Brady's is offering free wings for life. I Man. mean, I, how do you leave a job that's already paying you four million bucks if you get free wings for life every night? Beef O'Brady's, yeah. And that's, you know, you, you just parlay them all. And you just, you know, Monday night's going to be Italian Garden. Tuesday night's going to be Beef O'Brady's. Wednesday night's going to be whoever else. And you just keep going like that for life. Oh, well, I can, I can go on. Yeah. Okay. Evie Mays, a legendary barbecue spot in Lubbock. Have any of us, any of you guys been to the LBB? Uh, he gets free barbecue as long as he's coaching in Lubbock. Uh-huh. So okay. I smart of them. Don't just give them like if the guy takes. Well, that's the thing. When when Texas plays at Texas Tech, he can come into Italian Garden and say, yeah. hey, you said for life. Come on, two serve docks, the horns. Two Dogs Brewery is offering free beer for wow. life. No, free beer if he stays. No, no, uh, we're not sure. And then uh, we've basically got all the food groups here. We've got wings, pasta. Barbecue and beer. So we got the four food yeah. groups. I'm telling you, you have basically fulfilled my life right there. You need, you need, it's going to weigh 350 pounds. <laughs> Poor Chris Beards is like, oh man. Curbside Sweets is offering free dessert as well. Uh, there's also free, I mean, everything free coffee from uh, Tumbleweed and Sage Coffee House, free home designs, free carpet cleaning. <laughs> For all the legal sauce on your carpet, you gotta, you gotta yeah. clean it. This is great. Uh, yeah, free. I mean, that's yeah, flatland carpet cleaning. It's 
They'll take care Ap- of his aptly carpets. named for Lubbock, Flatland. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, Patrick Mahomes has weighed in and, and asked him to stay. Mm. Okay. Um, and then uh, the the chancellor of the school uh, tweeted a song dedicated to Chris Beard. Uh, here are the lyrics. This is all from the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, by the way. Here are the lyrics. Got a letter just this morning. It was postmarked Omaha. It was typed and neatly written, offering me this better job. Better job at higher wages, expenses paid, and a car. But I'm on TV here locally, and I can't quit. I'm a star. It was Roger Miller's Kansas City Star, a song about a local star turning down a job in another city. Okay. So it's just general. It wasn't. Okay. I was like, where where does Omaha come into this? No, I know would you stay? No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no. They'll give you plenty of free food in Austin, too. Trust me. You, you win enough games. You go into El Arroyo. You get your Mexican whenever you want it. You go to uh, Salt Lick. They'll feed you for free, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. No. You get out of any chance to get out of Lubbock should be taken. I mean, he's got to go, right? Like, uh, I give I give Texas X credit. They made that job a better basketball job than Texas. They invested in the facilities. They have better home court advantage. They cared more. Texas is coming around, I guess I would say. Like that Texas basketball facilities and stuff are, are pretty pedestrian for for Power Five. Like they just don't care. Have you guys ever been to games at the uh, Irwin Center in Texas? Oh yeah, yeah, they're, they're, no. yeah. I would venture to say yeah. it's the single worst atmosphere I've seen a Power Five game. I, I, I if I really racked my brain, I could probably think of more. But I would but definitely they're building a new new arena. Yes, no, exactly. That like they're finally coming around. This is what yeah. I'm saying. Oh, okay. Is like 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 the the Texas basketball job as it was was not. It showed how much the university and really the area cared. And so now that it's that it they are starting to invest and they are starting to come around. Um, I, I really think like to me, Shaka was like. Let's throw money at our problems. Yeah, Shark is smart. He's really good. And then, yeah, it just, I think everything will be aligned for Chris Beard to really go make a, uh, go make a run at Texas, which could be fun to see. You know, I, I know a bunch of people have worked at Texas basketball over the years and they very, they will be very quick to tell you. And Chaka said it in his uh, press conference at Marquette. Like, you know, I took for granted the building would be full. Yeah. The Irwin Center is not full. I wouldn't go to games at the Irwin Center if I was a basketball fan in Texas. It was a terrible experience. It was just this cavernous, awful arena. Um, so no I parking. really – what was that? It was like bad parking and stuff, I think, too. Like yeah. All the, the things park. that dr- – Yeah. Well, that's, that, I, I, that I went part to a game of campus there Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant of, was there and there were 7,000 yeah. people. Yeah. No, that part of campus is smashed in there between the interstate and the state capitol and all the government buildings, you know? So, yeah. Pat, what game not did ideal. we see there on signing day a couple years ago? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I, yes. Uh, I. They might have played. No, they played Texas Tech, as a matter of fact. I remember talking to Chris Beard afterwards. Correct. Going up That's and right. uh, chatting with him. Yeah. I do yeah. remember that. And it was totally, should have been a great game, right? Like if I was home on TV, I would have been like, oh, man, I'm watching this game tonight. And it was totally dreadful, right? It, it, I, am oh, I, yeah. No, the atmosphere is. Horrendous. Yeah. yeah. Horrendous. Just but here's uh, all right, here's my one other question, guys. Does the eyes of Texas thing make it harder to recruit? No question. Or is that yeah. I mean, how big a deal is that? Is that like a deal breaker or not? I don't think it's a huge I don't think the uh, who you who you recruiting against. Like again, I keep saying, like it doesn't help, but like wh- where is this 
progressive school that you're recruiting against in Texas. Yeah, I mean, no, but but I just, I, yeah, I Cal guess Berkeley if, should be really good at sports, man. <laughs> they are good at a lot of them, actually. Well, they are good at a lot of them. They're just not good at these. <laughs> not the revenue. I, it does not help. It does not help. But I don't know. I mean, that's just reality of the situation. I don't know where where you're going. Where this is such a such a big thing. All right, I want to get to a love story before we wrap this up. We are we are late. It's our only podcast a week, so it's long. Sully, don't kill me. You know we are fans of love stories. We love love. Love wins out. <laughs> we are romantics. There's Even no Pat can't romantics. rip love. <laughs> Wait, Pete got give, it. Give me eloped. Pete eloped. Yeah, yeah. Pete's the big romantic of 2021 on the show. Yeah, very romantic. So uh, you've heard of a gentleman named Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, familiar with his work? Seem to be, yeah. Uh, he is, uh, as we know, engaged young Marissa Mowry, his longtime girlfriend. They are tying the knot before, uh, even before draft day. So, uh, gonna, well, I don't know if they're getting married before then. Although I think it is April 10th, I believe. Oh, yeah. It's coming right up. Did you get your invitation? I mean... I, I'm sad to say I didn't. I may just have to crash it. He's wrapping up the number one pick before becoming the number one pick. Uh, yeah. Huh? There's a cheesy line. <laughs> um, pretty cheesy. Anyway, they uh, have a registry for their wedding. It's coming oh, up in Bluffton, South Carolina on April 10th. Uh, yeah. Registry.thenot.com. You can, you can buy them a gift. Anybody can. And I'm quite stunned that not all of these have been purchased yet. Come on, Clemson fans. Yeah, a little ad, a little respect. Would you like to hear some of the items on the uh, the Lawrence Maori wedding registry? Dying to know. All right. Well, you know, Clemson speed always wants speed on the outside. How about a two slice high speed smart toaster? <laughs> high speed smart toaster. <laughs> yeah, it's got. I like didn't know the, there was such a thing. When like you need your tempo school. breakfast, you're like, let's go, let's go, let's does. go. <laughs> The revolutionary cooking. I mean, first off, toast is toast. Is it revolutionary? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you revolutionize. The toaster has not changed in like 100 years. This is a toaster. The revolutionary cooking two-slice high-speed smart toaster. If you can't, too busy to wait for toast. The high-speed smart toaster. Okay. Using its touchscreen display, you can customize both the toasting time and temperature, depending on what you're preparing. It includes <laughs> 63 settings in total. Oh, my God. Five food test 63 settings. 63 settings for toast? Yeah. Five different types of food. What is it? Like bagel, toast, <laughs> Pop-Tart? What do, what, do we, what are you putting in there? <laughs> Pop-Tart. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell are you putting in your toaster there, uh, Trevor? Uh, I, 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 I would suggest some, somebody's overthinking the toaster here, but whatever. <laughs> Seven browning levels to ensure that your bagel or toaster pastry comes out perfect every time. Oh. It also features InstaGlow technology that uses intelligent heating algorithms. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this is all made to up. Instaglow technology. Like, I will, I will give the pitch person credit for the, for whoever you know came up with this toast. Like they have, they have, they have turned this toaster into like a space shuttle. I mean, what the hell? This <laughs> is how make it, this is our number one pick toast. Pat. That's why you're not one of them. <laughs> I guess so. 
Okay. I'm happy and with my archaic toaster and all of my archaic things. The intelligent heating algorithms, which I think is complete bull. <laughs> that doesn't exist. <laughs> of course it is. What the hell is an intelligent heating algorithm? It will sear rather than bake for a crisp outside and a soft, chewy inside. I mean, somebody spent time creating this thing so that Pop-Tarts are better prepared. <laughs> we could have had, if we put this kind of effort in, we could have had the damn vaccine at least a week earlier. <laughs> <laughs> These people should have been working on the vaccine. All right, sure. I'm not done here. Oh, the God. automatic God. lower and lift function <laughs> stops bread from getting stuck. Now that would be an improvement because that does yeah, That's for sure. The toaster is also super easy to clean. Mm. With its removable crumb tray. I have a removable crumb tray. Don't act like you invented that. $299.95 for the toaster. No one has bought it. Nobody, three, who wants to spend $300 on a toaster? Especially for someone else. Got, Are you kidding? He's got the money. What? Oh. I would definitely not spend $300 on a toaster for me either. So, <laughs> yeah, how, about a, no. how about a V7 motor head cordless bagless stick vacuum? Hey, you definitely don't want the V6. You got to get the V7. <laughs> I've waited until they come out with the V8. What are you doing with a vacuum? You don't vacuum. You're Trevor Lawrence. Come on, man. You think Tom Brady has a vacuum? Tom Brady hasn't Maybe. touched a vacuum in 20 years. Hey, Conzo Martin, the Missouri basketball coach, has three vacuums in his office, which is really strange, but he does. So. You never know. People people can get attached to those things. It's kind of serial killer-ish. Vacuum. <laughs> this uh, Three wedding registry is great. Needs yeah. a seven-piece kitchen tool set. It's got like a spatula, a, like a chili scooper. Like, I mean, it's, you can tell they're young. Five-inch yeah. mini bowls, they, microwavable they... safe, cutting board, the John Boost maple end grain rectangular chopping block. $200? $200 for a chopping block. What? Let's see what this thing's all about. Oh. It's maple end grain. I guess that makes a difference. Uh, anyway, anyone wants to donate, people who need a gift the least. <laughs> yeah. Or is it the If you're not? looking to throw some money around, I, I suggest someone else, but I think they're going to make it, this young couple, at least financially. Yeah. Wait, they then also got a smart oven on here. It's like a toaster oven. Holy cow. The toaster. I know you would think he would not be so unhealthy. All right. Anyway, this is, uh, yeah, the Breville mini smart oven, which looks like a toaster oven to me. The hell's going on? All right. Back after the national championship. I will not be there. It's going to be Pat and Pete handling it next week. Don't miss me while I'm gone. I have a feeling that will be a late night, uh, a late night pod where alcohol consumption is involved. hundred percent. Get it done. Yeah, well, you, well, you're off gallivanting in Parts Unknown. Uh, That's right. Parts Unknown. Uh, please subscribe. Continue to uh, listen. Share us on social media. Got a big spring planned. Good times. Talk to you then. <laughs>